social Darwinians? Why are we not just all about excelling and overcoming and making whatever we can for ourselves? And service is the answer. Service is the, is the way to break out. Service changes the dynamic. To serve, to minister, is to not evaluate my own self primarily. If I'm going to serve, I have to look out and see what are your needs. Romans chapter 12. We had an introduction last week. We talked about the gift of prophecy and its value. It's um, what one of, So this one is maybe a little more practical for us as a people because a lot of us tested as prophets. And I want to mention something about uh, as servers. I want to mention something about that. You know, that test is just a little quick 20 question test it's not a it's not the end all be all analysis it's much more valuable as we go through these uh, a kind of a more thorough description of each of these gifts to see where where you feel like you fit in where which of these descriptions um seems more appropriate for your outlook and motivation the other thing i'll say just just because i'm thinking of it is that these are not, um, they're not exclusive. Well, well, my experience with these motivational gifts is that usually you, people have a primary motivation and a secondary and sometimes even a tertiary. But there's almost always one, one big motivation in people's lives out of this, gift, uh, out of this list of seven. So, so today I want to talk about, um, well, let's just read it. Uh, and this notion of service, of ministry, is at the center of who Jesus is and what he's doing. It's funny, you know, we looked at prophecy last week, and prophecy has all these commentary around it, like, the greatest is prophecy. And there are certain regards in which that's true, because it's outward focusing, and it brings people in, and it reveals things from God, and it's truth-oriented, all these things. But here... Here, this is something that we can say in, in a real sense, this is literally the greatest attribute of Christ because he puts it in that category. He says, the greatest among you is servant all, which we'll actually look at. So, <clears throat> so I, don't think we're, I don't think we're doing a disservice by having, uh, talking about this in terms of one of the greatest possible mm, gifts and ministries in the church. It's where, it's where Jesus begins and he ends, right? So he begins in humility, in lowliness, in the manger, in the incarnation, and he ends his ministry in humility, in service, in being low. Like, that's, that's the message of this whole frame, is that to be in service. And why would that be? You know, I spent some time meditating on this. Like, why, why is that the case? Like the inversion of Christ, you know, you can kind of, we can frame that in the priesthood and a lot of different concepts that are important. But what about us? Like, what about us makes service meaningful? Why, why are we, why do we do well to serve other people? And 
there's a lot of ways you could answer that, but but one of the things I was thinking about is that I don't know if this is too esoteric, but we're all framed within ourselves, right? Like I think in my head, I experience my sensations and feelings. Everything is internalized and everything about my reality points in. My thoughts, my rationale, my reason, my appetites, my hungers, my everything about my existence points, it's internally bound. And if you stay in that, if you stay internal, you, you, you elevate self. Like the natural bent of man is to elevate self. To, if, if I think in my head, if I feel in my body, if my world and my reality is all focused around my self, then how do you avoid selfishness? How do you not make that what your whole world is about externally? Why do we not just drive ourselves for our own good, our own pleasure? Why are we not, why are we not uh, social Darwinians? Why are we not just all about excelling and overcoming and making whatever we can for ourselves? And service is the answer. Service is the, is the way to break out. Service changes the dynamic. To serve, to minister, is to not evaluate my own self primarily. If I'm going to serve, I have to look out and see what are your needs, what's going on in your life. I have to get out of myself in order to even think or contemplate the notion of serving someone else. And this is like a great, I think, a a balance to existence is to be able to look outside of yourself, to get past yourself, and to consider others. We have all kinds of passages and admonitions from the apostles, especially, about considering others better than yourself. This is the heart of service, the heart of ministry. And it's essentially Christian I want to think a little bit more about this central aspect of Jesus as the Logos. You know, Isaiah, Isaiah 42, this, this really profound prophecy of the Messiah that's repeated in, in, in Matthew 12, Jesus' his term, his title, is my servant. Like, that's what he's called. That's his identity under Jehovah, under God, is I'll call my servant and this is the 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 kind of like the 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 introductory passage in Isaiah 42 for who this Messiah is, who this he's he's primary his primary identity in that prophecy is the servant of God, and that gets recast out of Matthew when he's talking about him. So his root identity he starts in 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 our frame as the servant of God, the minister of God. In Mark chapter 10, this becomes even more practical. Um, These are just little verses, but they're really packed. Mark chapter 10, in verse 45, says this. Jesus called them... To him and saith unto them, 
in verse 42, you know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And I kind of don't like this in a contemporary frame because we have ministers in the church and we have ascending hierarchies in our ecclesiastical structures where the minister is somebody who's important, but that's not the frame in which this is spoken. He means your house slave. He means the servant who washes your feet when you come in. He means the guy that's out doing the work for the household. He means the lowest character within any familial structure. That guy is the greatest in Jesus' retelling. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. Why? For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life ransom for many. And ransom's the kind of culmination. His ransom is the culmination of that ministry, of that service. If we look over at John 6, there's another expression of this. John 6 and verse 35, it says, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that you also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father hath given me shall come to me, and will, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing. I should raise it up again at the last day. Jesus is subjugating himself. And all this exemplary ministry, this exemplary lowering, is we should be lifting that up. Like so uh Matthew Bates in in uh in his book Um Salvation by Allegiance Alone. He, he talks about a, a concept, he, he calls it in that book, the V-shaped gospel. Have any of you read it? Yeah. So he says, you know, Jesus starts in heaven. He goes way down below. Like in the incarnation, he comes way down here. Then he goes even further down into death. And then he goes even further down into Hades. And then he comes back up. So as low as he goes, as high as he goes. Like as far as he came down, then he goes back up to the right hand of the Father. And, and so, so as we look at Christ as our example, as our king, as our, as our everything, we want, we want to evaluate things the way that he does. So if his descent into humility, into incarnation, ultimately into death, if that's what makes him great, then we have to be recreating those things in our own life. We have to value service, ministry, care, and concern.
If we look at Philippians, there's a description that Paul leaves of, of Christ. He says here um, in Philippians chapter 2, In verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. It's interesting phrasing, look on the things, like look after the well-being. Take care of them. Do what's good for them. And then he goes on to say, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Uh, a lot of translations make a mess of that, and I don't know why. It, it's, I, think, I think actually, for all of its difficulties, the King James actually does really good with this passage. He's Jesus is the only one that can say I'm equal to God and he's not ripping something away from God. If I say I'm equal to God, I'm tearing all kinds of stuff away from God's identity. When Lucifer thought he could do he could be like the most high, he's devaluing so much of who God is and what he is. And there's only one who could say I'm equal to God and it's not robbery. It's Christ. So he has that level of, of being co-equal with God. And in that state, with the Most High, he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. The form of a servant. And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in, the fashion, as a, in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That's that V-shape. So Paul's description, this, this really beautiful analysis of what the mind of Christ is, includes this notion of being a servant. And we read already in Mark how Jesus... in in at least three of the Gospels, lifts up this notion of the greatest being the least. So what what is what is this gift that that's listed in Romans? Who who are the people who are particularly motivated by this gift? Just like prophecy being centered around truth, you know that doesn't that doesn't excuse any of us from not caring about truth. And and just like some people having a a primary motivation around service doesn't mean that service doesn't need to be something that's not important to all of us. So what's particular about this gift? If, if service is such a central component of what Jesus is and is doing in the world, who, who are these people that are motivated by service? What, what do they look like? Who are servers? And what makes them tick? Well, some of the primary motivations, like some of the ways we think about this gifting and how it works itself out in people's life is that 
servers are are doers like in in a very brass tacks no beating around the bush kind of way they're the people that do stuff like they're motivated to get up and make sure that things are happening and i and i don't mean like it's a it's a different it's a different kind of gift to see like structures and ideas and try to bring them forward or bring them into reality that's not what a server is a server is not primarily motivated around ideas and concepts and 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 plans he's he's motivated by doing the things that bring those things to be like the very nitty gritty, like hammering the nails, picking up the chairs, cleaning the floors, washing the dishes, doing what needs to be done. And and in general terms, servers want their hands on that work. Like they don't want to oversee it. They don't want to they don't want to delegate. They they're thriving by them doing the work that needs to be done. They want to be in the middle of it. They're, they're super practical people. They see very well exactly what's missing, like what's not being done or what needs to be done or what will get this so it's either useful or doable or finished or begun. Like the things that it takes to do things, that's what they have an eye for. <coughs> In, in a simple expression, their motivation is to meet practical needs for other people. They see themselves as valuable and necessary for getting things done. You know, last time when we talked about prophecy, we used Peter as an archetype. And, and in this case, with service, with ministry... Uh, we want to use Timothy as the archetype. There's some interesting things about Timothy that we'll look at as we go through here. But to start with, listen to this expression from, from Paul about his very good friend. You know, there's probably, Paul talks personally more about Timothy than probably almost anybody else that's in his circle. Um, I mean, narrative aside, but direct address, talking about and to, Timothy is at the top of Paul's list. Um, he's one of his primary companions. And it's interesting, most people think that, that, that Timothy is from Lystra, and that's on Paul's first missionary journey. So it's probably the case that, that his mother and grandmother were um, were converted in Paul's first missionary journey. So it's very likely that Timothy is either a child or a young man when when Paul goes through in Lystra on his first missionary journey. By the time he goes on his second ministry journey, of course, he's taking Timothy with him. And so in that time, Timothy is one of the first fruits of Paul's ministry. And, and he's also one of the last people that Paul's calling for. There's a durability between the relationship between Paul and Timothy, a loyalty between the two of them that is one of the most comprehensive relationships that Paul has in his life. Luke is another one that, that doesn't leave him. And, you know, Luke tells so very much of his story in Acts. But, but Luke and Timothy are the two constants in Paul's life, two of the very, 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 very few constants in Paul's life. 
But all the way up to the end, when he's in prison, he's calling for Timothy. And we don't know if Timothy was able to make it to Rome before Paul died. But but we know that Paul was calling for him to come to him. And he was one of the last people that Paul wanted to see. And that's interesting to me that this the loyalty that's expressed within this this life of Timothy, in his relationship. But listen how Paul describes him. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you, that I also might be of good comfort when I know your state, for I have no man like-minded who will care truly for your state. He'll care for you, for how you're doing. But you know the proof of him, that as a child serveth a father, So he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send forth with. And I think that's a that's another just like that. Jesus, Jesus washing the disciples feet. Here's another like quintessential server uh, identity of motivation is that Timothy sees himself as making the work of Paul possible as a son serves a father. So has he been to me in the furtherance of the gospel? He's making my work possible. That's the relationship between Paul and Timothy. And that's where the server wants to be. He wants to be making things possible. He wants to be that integral piece that allows the work to go forward, that allows people to grow, that allows people to be blessed. He wants to be what what allows things to go on. So let's talk about just... We'll we'll kind of step out of the scriptures and 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 go down this kind of observational vein of of how we see these people working. Uh, we'll talk about the uses and misuses of the gifts. I structured this this way, so we'll talk about an attribute of this gift of service, and then we'll talk about how that can go wrong. So one of the uses for servers is that they see and meet practical needs. This is usually in the domain of the physical, not the spiritual. Servers are not usually the first to have pastoral care for people. They're much more interested in in meeting physical needs. Do you need food? Do you need somebody to come and help? Do you need do you need a do you need a meal? Do you need somebody to to like is the roof falling in? Like what's going on with my neighbor? Like how are how are when we have this meeting or who's going to clean up afterwards? That kind of like facilitating is what the server wants to be involved in. Uh, so he sees these things like not everybody sees them. That's what's one of the particular skills of the server is that he'll see something that's lacking that, that everyone else walks by. So a dozen people will walk into the house and nobody will notice, but the server, Hey, that, that window's broken. It needs to be fixed. Or I wonder how long it's been since anybody checked on that thing. Or why is this not working right? Or who's checking in to make sure whatever he'll see those things because he has an eye for those details. He wants to, he, he just, he's always looking after the people around him and are things working right and what needs to be f- filled in this, this ability though, the, the, the potential pitfall of it is that servers have a, a, a potential to, to help where unsolicited um, because he's so good at seeing needs, he'll jump in and do things. And, and, and even upon occasion, he'll jump in and do things that, that maybe the person didn't want done or didn't need to be done, or there was something else going on or 
So servers can have a tendency to kind of get in the way um, in their interest to help that's not always useful. And when that happens, it, it, there's this kind of cascading cycle that then the server feels um, unappreciated. People don't see the de see details the way that the server does, so they don't recognize the importance the server attaches to meeting these needs. And and upon occasion, it can make the server come across as pushy or intrusive. When that happens again, then then the server feels unappreciated. So that's kind of a, a use and misuse, a potential pitfall. Another use of the gift of, of service or ministry is that... Um, the motive of, of a server is to bring peace of mind to the person they're trying to help. Through these acts of service, they want to bring peace of mind and rest to the object of the service rendered. They want to free people up. They recognize that they work within this specific domain. They want to be involved in this, but maybe they don't want to... Maybe, maybe there's... Like I've seen this happen, you know, there's some... Somebody's going to do some tent meetings somewhere, some revival meetings. And the servers, they don't want to be the one up front. They don't want to talk. They don't want to be involved in that. But they, but they, their way to be involved is to set things up, do the sound, do the equipment, to set up the chairs, to make sure that the place is there. All that kind of, like, all that hard work they want to do. And, and the whole time... Like, it's really beautiful. They feel like this is how I involve myself in this important work. This is my piece to do of it. So they want to free people up to use their gifts. Timothy served Paul so that Paul could carry out his ministry. Like that father, son to the father. Um, one, because this is such a deep motivation in, in some of these brothers and sisters, they... Um, they can often neglect their own personal responsibilities. Like, you know, doing all that, those acts of service for other people can get in the way of the things that they ought to be doing. Like, because it's so valuable to them, they'll leave their own stuff, you know, the things that they should be doing at home, the things that they should be doing around their own house, all, all those things, they kind of take second place to these out front services for other people. They'll meet others' needs, but um, sometimes they'll leave those who are in their care with unmet needs because they're out running around doing all these other things. They, um, they will serve sacrificially past limitations. Like they, they'll work. So I, so I was just checking on somebody that I know. Oh, some of you might know him too. Anyhow, uh, I, I was I was checking on somebody that had had fallen off of a ladder and hurt themselves. Like, hey, how's he doing? What what's been going on? And I heard more of the story. He's you know going through surgeries. Was laid up all the time. Fell off this ladder and then got back up on the ladder and kept working because he was doing a project for somebody. Like, and that's that's kind of like that's a quintessential server thing. Like work past it hurts like the work is so motivating and so important that they'll step past these natural limitations this also happens with resources you know they'll spend their own money and finances to get something done when that's that might not be the best use of those resources 
and and in in extreme cases you know you can not sleep for the sake of this work of service you can damage your health you can become you know bothered and nervous about all the work that you do and and it can take a, it it can take a toll on people who are servers the task completion of the task becomes the most important thing so they don't yield to exhaustion or limitations or whatever whatever else they should stop and slow down for that that tendency of working past limits can affect relationships and other responsibilities uh, servers can get can end up being nervous around tasks especially when they overextend themselves and their resources like it becomes a weight like it's i gotta get this done i gotta get it done i gotta get it done it, it almost possesses it can almost possess them in ways that become unhealthy <clears throat> just as a funny little curiosity it's interesting paul tells timothy to take a little wine for his stomach's sake and for his oft infirmities like the guy's I, my, my notion of Timothy is always that he's always kind of like running himself ragged. I don't know. It's speculative, but it's an interesting note. Servers uh, rarely say no. That goes along with all that. But they're so attuned to the needs of other people around them that they're unlikely to refuse help. Like they see themselves as so central to, to meeting needs and getting stuff done and helping people out that they'll, they're very unlikely to say no, especially if they're asked directly to do something. If you have servers in your life, they can be neglected that way. You have to be careful not to ask them to do things that they don't need to be doing because they'll, they'll rarely say no. But the problem is, you can imagine all kinds of problems with that. One manifestation of this is that we often see servers in, in places of responsibility because they're generally hard workers. And, and, and so if you find a server in a position of authority, he'll, he'll often be wearing himself out and very prone to burnout because he won't delegate. He wants to do it himself. And so he's in a position of authority. He's responsible for a bunch of things. And rather than delegating and using other people for their skills, he wants to do it himself. And so he doesn't delegate. And this can kind of compound in a way that then the things that he should be doing that are just his responsibility don't get done because he's out doing a bunch of things that aren't his primary responsibility. So it's a, it's a cycle that, that servers should watch for. The ability to, de to delegate and use other people around you is an important skill to build for people who are servers. Um, servers are are very attentive to personal details. They, that, that kind of, that detail orientation, they, they apply it to people too. So, you know, they'll remember people's birthdays or preferences or small little details. And, and this is sensible, right? Because these people are very good at looking outside of themselves. They're very good at looking at others and evaluating what's happening around them. And so they pick up on these little things like, you know, it's so-and-so's birthday, I need to send him a card or, you know, whatever. So if they're doing projects, when they're doing work, they really like to, to add that little extra piece, you know, that special thing, that top it off, that, that a little more than is required. But the problem with that is that it can create problems when 
they want to make it special. They want to do an extra good job. And, and that causes, especially things like deadlines and timelines and, and budgets to be frustrating because they want to do it as good as it can be done. And they have an eye for those details. So they want to make every little thing perfect. And so, so things like deadlines uh, can be very frustrating for them. They don't want to just mow the yard. They also want to weed and mulch and, you know, sweep the yard and make sure everything's perfect. And like, really, all I wanted you to do is mow the yard. Like, just mow the yard. It's okay. Like, don't, I don't need new mulch. I don't need you to pull up the old fence post. Like, just, just mow. That's all that needs to be done. And so they'll end up extending themselves past deadlines and things in ways that are frustrating both to them and to other people. that same attentiveness to personal detail it can cause a problem too because they um and here's one of those places where we see like the limitation of all these gifts is that they assume other people see things the way they do and so if you don't notice those personal details or if you don't take like when you're doing something for a server if you don't do things that way it can be like you don't care about me like you just wanted to do what you had to do you didn't care you know you didn't care about the details. So they're, they're kind of particular that way. If they mention a personal need and the person doesn't follow up or respond, there's a high potential for a server to become resentful because he's keyed to need. So if he's going to share a need or she's going to share a need with somebody, they have an expectation that, oh, you're going to care about that and meet it as quickly as you can, just like I would if you were sharing a need with me. And this is kind of a blind spot in interpersonal communication between servers. Not everybody sees all those details. Not everybody thinks about, about, about meeting needs the same way that servers do. So when servers feel like they need something, it can be, it can, it can be a source of um, relational conflict. Servers seek for approval and appreciation. And that's, that's not a bad thing at all. Um, they're unlikely to, to desire public praise, but they definitely want to feel appreciated. They want to feel like people acknowledge and appreciate the things that they do. Um, it's not about publicity or honor because they're generally humble people. It's just that they don't want to feel like what they're doing has no effect. The effect of the work that they do is what they get derive satisfaction from they they do all the things that they do because they want it to be helpful to people and so if people don't express hey that was really helpful when you did this they feel like ah what am i bothering for like nobody cares nobody appreciates me and it can really it can really be upsetting to a server if he feels unappreciated um appreciation confirms to the server that his work was necessary and so they can feel resentment and bitterness when they perceive that their efforts are not appreciated or properly acknowledged. When a server feels undervalued or unappreciated, they feel used. Like, I'm only here because I'm the only one that'll do it. Nobody really cares. It's In this regard, I think it's healthy for people who are servers to try to keep the Lord at the center of their focus for why they do what they do, because people can be disappointing. People don't always appreciate what they do. And it's really important, I think, for a server to develop his ministry around doing things for the Lord through people. It, it, it prevents some of that 
uh, some of those hard feelings. This desire to seek for approval and appreciation has another big effect, and I've seen this a lot with servers. Servers have a high tendency, because they're other focused, because they're looking at people and paying attention to what other people need and want, they have a they have a high propensity for the fear of man. What I mean by that is that they 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 in 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 their personal life they like to make people happy. They're people pleasers. Like that's what their work is about: making sure that you're happy with the thing, like that your work goes on, that that you got done what you needed done, and that propensity in in their personality causes them to be people pleasers, to say things that people want to hear to make them happy. So they do this like in communication, in relationships, they'll say and do things to make people happy. And that has, you know, that has some potential problems and pitfalls. It, it I would say it, in, in a lot of cases, I don't know about a lot, in some cases, it even causes people to be dishonest or untruthful. They're willing to say things that aren't true to make people happy. So that's definitely something to be attentive to. Uh, servers generally, they appreciate direct instructions. They, they don't want to fixate or be responsible for planning, um, for organization, they just want to know what needs to be done and they want to do it. Paul gives Timothy more praise and precise instructions than he gives any other assistant. Like think of that passage in 2 Timothy. He says, the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments. He doesn't say get my stuff. He says, go here, get that, and don't forget that. Like very specific instructions he gives to Timothy. They want to work with, not for. Servers feel used if they're working for people. They want to work with people. They want to be a part of, of the bigger things that are happening. They see their work of service as a function and a part of a whole, and they want to feel connected to the people that they use their gifts with and for. They're sensitive to the notion of being used because they're the only one that will do it. They, they, that's not a good place for a server to feel like he's at. He wants to feel a part of, of the projects that he's involved with. Uh, generally, servers like short-range projects. Because they're keyed to, to, to seeing people's needs, they want to see those needs fulfilled. And so it's the short-term project that the server's most interested in. They, um, they like to meet those immediate needs. And they want to do it themselves. They want to feel the satisfaction of having met a need themselves. Like, with my own hands, I made this possible. With my own sweat, with my own work, I caused this thing to be. Um, but by way of example, so, so then the opposite would be that they can become frustrated with things that are long-range projects, that require a lot of planning, that require a lot of moving parts over a duration. Uh, they... Repetitive tasks aren't necessarily a problem, um, like doing something every week to make the make the service happen, the church meeting happen. But something that takes a long time to come to completion, like you know, something that takes months or years to work out, it's not really their it's, that's not their ideal gig. 
it can wear out their patience. Like they want to get it done. They want to see it to the end. It's that end moment, that, that completion, that it's done. We did something here. That's what really, really fulfills them. Uh, Paul tells Timothy, he says, he urges them to maintain endurance as a good soldier and continue the calling that was given. And he reminds him to keep up his long-range gifts. Twice, he's, Paul reminds him of the gifts that he was given. Like, you have to keep at this stuff. You have to keep using the gifts that you have. And, yeah, it's repeatedly, he, he's called on to remember those long-range gifts that he has in his life. Um... We already touched on that. The desire to do more than is expected. And the problem with deadlines. The, they, they can get distracted on those details. And just to note again with Timothy, by way of example, twice Paul has to remind Timothy to do that diligence to come shortly unto me. Do that diligence to come before winter. Like, don't get distracted. Stay on task. Like, get here. This is what I want you to do. Servers, they 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 are they want to immediately respond to needs. They are doers, and they impulsively jump into needs that they perceive. Um, the planning, the proper channels, authority, and permission can be skirted in the attempts uh, of the server to get things done. the The problem with that, the the potential pitfall there, is that. Sometimes it's better to work through why a need is there than just meeting the need. Sometimes people have needs in their life because of malfeasance or irresponsibility or disobedience. And servers can often run into those situations in an attempt to fix the need. And, and the work that needs to be done for the whole person doesn't get met. And it's important in that regard for servers to work within institutions, to have you know, to, to check in with authority and to go through the work of, is this the best thing? Or is this what we should be doing here? Or would we be short-circuiting what somebody needs in their life aside from just the physical need? Um, it's helpful for servers to be mindful of that and to look for some confirmation or, or to wait on, on jumping in to do something until we're sure that's that's what needs to be done right now. Um, so that's kind of the end of my summary of those things. Um, I wanna I wanna encourage us all, and I'm gonna I think I'm gonna quit here. But I wanna encourage us all to be to be thinking about the this list: prophet, server, teacher, exhorter, giver. Uh, ruler and mercy and and pass the test really kind of like feel out where do I fit in this thing when we come to the end of this I want to reassess after we go through all seven of these I want to reassess and get a sense for not just what that 30 those 30 questions resulted in but where do I really feel like I belong in, in that in that list of ministries what which of those motivations really speaks to the things that are important to me all right, let's let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to look at at the the components of Jesus and our brothers and sisters in the church that are 
oriented towards service. We thank you, Father, especially for our Lord, that he was such a thorough servant. It's counterintuitive to us that our God and our King should come as a server, as a servant to his disciples. And I pray, Father, that would permeate how we think and act and behave. I pray that you'd help us to recognize people with this motivation around us and and that they would find the access and opportunity to use their gift for all of the good that you can get from our lives. I pray that there would be place for those who have this motivation among us to be fulfilled in their works of service and that they could be an example to all of us of how we can be more like Christ. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.